Chapter Fifteen of Captain William Kidd and Others of the Buccaneers by John S. C. Abbott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen: The Capture of Puerto Bello and Its Results, The Torture, Sickness and Misery, Measures of the Governor of Panama, The Ambuscade, Awful Defeat of the Spaniards, Ferocity of the Pirates, Strange Correspondence exchange of courtesies return to cuba and division of the spoil wild orgies at jamaica complicity of the british government with the pirates the new enterprise arrival of the oxford destruction of the surf volant rendezvous at Simona. the wretched citizens of the captured city of puerto velo were exposed to every species of torture to force from them the discovery of where their riches were concealed many of them had no knowledge they could give of any hidden treasure day after day the most horrid scenes of cruelty were enacted multitudes of men and women died under the torture for fifteen days the pirates remained amidst the ruins they had created but in this world blows are seldom given without others being received in return sickness came with languor pain and groans of agony the death-bed is cheerless enough even when surrounded with all the attentions of sympathy and love and tender care to these wretched men in their homelessness and their terrible guilt death must indeed have come as the king of terrors a painful pestilential disease seized them surrounded by the oaths and the clamor of demoniac men they passed to the seat of final judgment in consequence of the unhealthiness of the climate of puerto velo many of the merchants who had their warehouses at that port resided in the far more attractive city of panama but a few leagues distant on the pacific coast the governor of the province also resided at panama morgan sent two prisoners to the city to say to the residents there that unless one hundred thousand dollars were sent to him he would lay puerto velo in ashes but the governor had already heard of the arrival of the pirates he had collected an armed force and was on the march to cut off their retreat in the meantime the vessels were brought up into the harbor and were laden with the plunder the ramparts were repaired the guns remounted and all things put in readiness to repel an attack every day many were put to the torture some died under the terrible infliction many were maimed for life hearing that the governor was on the march to attack them morgan placed himself at the head of a hundred of his most determined men and marched forward to meet the foe every man was armed in pirate fashion with a musket several pistols in his belt and a keen-edged sabre at a few leagues from the city they came to a narrow defile along whose circuitous path but two could march abreast the tangled thicket was on each side with gigantic trees and huge rocks buried in the luxuriant verdure of the tropics here a whole army might lie in impenetrable concealment and here morgan with great skill placed his troops every man took a position where he could have perfect command of some portion of the track with his hatchet he cut a loophole through the dense growth of shrubs and interlacing vines thus while quite invisible he could take deliberate aim 
they were to wait in perfect silence until the winding defile was filled with unsuspecting troops then at a signal from morgan every man was to fire and every man was to take such aim as to be sure that his bullet would strike down his victim the spaniards four or five hundred in number soon appeared in rapid march anticipating a bloody struggle with the pirates behind their ramparts they had no thought that they would leave such vantage ground to march forth to the encounter their only fear was that the pirates might rush to their ships and thus escape hurrying heedlessly along they had filled the labyrinthine trail when the deadly signal was given one hundred muskets were instantaneously exploded one hundred bullets were sent on their fatal mission one hundred spaniards were either struck down in instantaneous death or wounded there was no time for thought no time to rally the case was clear the defeat was entire and remediless rapidly the pirates reloaded and kept up a continuous fire the spaniards discharged their muskets at random hitting no one pell-mell in awful confusion they turned and struggling against their own numbers rushed as best they could from the defile the narrow path was strewed with the dying and the dead with a shattered and bleeding remnant the governor returned to panama for reinforcements morgan and his men wishing that their deeds should strike terror all around emerged from their covert dispatched the wounded with pistol-shots or sabre-thrusts searched the pockets of the dead and leaving their bodies unburied returned in triumph to their comrades in triumph but what a triumph they had now been fifteen days in puerto bello famine and disease were assailing them with more cruel attacks than sabre or pistol can inflict recklessly they had wasted their provisions they could not eat their gold or their silver or the spoil which they had stored away in the holds of their ships they had already consumed the mules and the horses their blood inflamed by debaucheries and almost boiling beneath a meridian sun produced the most loathsome and painful disorders the slightest wound would fester and cause death no wonder they were reckless better far to die than to live in such misery this was the triumph to which the pirate morgan returned the spanish prisoners suffered still more than their captors crowded together in apartments whose awful impurity tainted the air deprived of every comfort witnessing intense sufferings which they could not alleviate but which they were compelled to share despondent starving dying there was for them no relief but such as death gives the spanish governor who had shown such utter want of military ability in marching into the ambuscade was as self-conceited and boastful as he was incompetent notwithstanding his ignominious repulse he sent to morgan the following message if you do not immediately withdraw with your ships from porto Velo, i will march upon you with a resistless force you shall receive no quarter every man shall be put to death morgan sent back the reply if you do not immediately send me one hundred and eighty thousand dollars in gold i will lay every building in puerto bello in ashes i will blow up the forts and i will put every captive i have to the sword man woman and child the pride of the governor would not allow him to purchase the retreat of the pirates 
he sent to cartagena imploring that some ships might be sent from there to block up the pirates in the river but they had no sufficient force to make the attempt the citizens were very anxious to have the money sent but the governor kept them in suspense in hopes of gaining time he was deaf and obdurate to all the entreaties of the citizens who sent to inform him that the pirates were not men but devils and that they fought with such fury that the spanish officers had stabbed themselves in very despair at seeing a supposed impregnable fortress taken by a handful of people when it should have held out against twice that number the monarch of the main by george w thornbury esq volume two page thirty five the governor was astonished at their exploits four hundred men had captured a city which he said any general in europe would have found it necessary to blockade in due form it is indicative of the almost inconceivable state of public opinion in those times that the governor of panama don juan perez de guzman who had acquired considerable renown for his bravery in the wars in flanders should have sent a courteous message to morgan expressive of his astonishment and admiration in view of his heroic achievement and begging morgan to send him a pattern of the arms with which he had gained so wonderful a victory the scornful pirate sent a common musket and a handful of bullets to the governor with the following sarcastic message i beg your excellency to accept these as a small pattern of the arms with which i have taken puerto Velo. your excellency need not trouble yourself to return them in the course of a twelvemonth i will visit panama in person and will fetch them away myself the governor replied i return the weapons you sent me and thank you for the loan of them it is a pity that a man of so much courage is not in the service of a great and good prince i hope that captain morgan will not trouble himself to come and see me at panama should he do so he surely will not fare so well as he has at puerto Velo. it is very difficult to credit the statement made by thornbury that the envoy having delivered this message so chivalrous in its tone presented morgan with a beautiful gold ring set with a costly emerald as a remembrance of his master don guzman who had already supplied the english chief with fresh provisions monarchs of the main volume one page thirty eight puerto velo was left to its fate the pirates left scarcely anything behind but the tiles and the paving stones many of the best guns morgan carried off of the rest all which he could not burst he spiked he then set sail behind him were smouldering ruins pestilence poverty misery and death eight days sail brought the fleet to cuba upon that vast and sparsely inhabited island there were many solitary harbors and coves where the silence of the wilderness reigned into one of these lonely spots morgan ran his fleet here he divided the spoil it was indeed a beggarly pittance which they had obtained as the fruit of so much toil suffering and crime in coin or bullion they counted but two hundred and sixty thousand dollars there was a large amount of silks and other merchandise which was not deemed of much value 
the division was amicably made and they spread their sails to return to jamaica there to squander in a few days of insane excess all that they had gained through weary months of danger toil suffering and crime the entrance of a richly laden piratic fleet into the harbour of kingston was an occasion of public rejoicing the gamblers the courtesans the rum-sellers were all overjoyed even the children expected to see the strange visitors scatter their doubloons through the streets to be scrambled for we are told that every door was open to them and that for a whole week all loudly praised their generosity and their courage at the end of a month they had squandered all and every door was shut in their faces morgan was a drunkard as well as a robber he spent his gains as infamously and as speedily as did the rest shrewder men than he emptied his purse at the gambling table the delilahs of jamaica speedily transferred his jewels to their necks but one short month had passed away when morgan and all his crew utterly impoverished were eager for another expedition undismayed by the past this bold adventurer planned an enterprise of such magnitude that he boasted that at its close both he and his men might be able to retire if they wished with a sufficiency for the rest of their days a rendezvous was appointed at de la vaca or cow island on the south side of the island of hispaniola this would be easily accessible by the pirates both french and english ever swaggering through the streets of tortuga again the desperadoes rushed to his banner they came in boats and in small vessels and by land men enough were found to furnish the adventurer with funds a large english ship which mounted thirty-six guns entered the harbour of kingston jamaica from new england this ship the oxford carried a crew of three hundred men it was on a buccaneering cruise against spanish commerce oxymelan says that the ship actually belonged to the king of england charles the second he had fitted it out at his own expense and the captain was employed in his service what authority he had for this astonishing assertion we know not but it is certain that the governor of jamaica felt at liberty to send this ship to join morgan's expedition and when we subsequently find charles the second conferring the honor of knighthood on this desperate marauder and appointing him governor of jamaica the report receives much confirmation the harbour at Ile de la vaca was a fine one a large french ship the surf volant on a trading excursion entered the port the ship was well armed mounting twenty-four iron guns and twelve guns of brass the captain and crew disappointed in the results of trade were disposed to try their luck as buccaneers morgan anxious to secure so powerful a ship urged him to join his expedition but the french officers would not accede to his terms the frenchman was about to weigh anchor and return to tortuga several of his crew who were english sailors had deserted him and had been received on board morgan ships through them morgan learned that the captain of the surf volant being out of provisions had stopped an english vessel taken from her sundry articles of food for which he had paid not in coin for he had none at hand but in bills of exchange cashable at jamaica morgan who was seeking for some pretext under which he might seize the french ship decided to consider this an act of piracy 
he invited the officers of the volant to dine with him on board the splendid ship which the governor of jamaica had sent him unsuspicious of treachery the captain and his officers all came while in the cabin drinking their wine morgan rose and denounced them as pirates who had robbed an english vessel and declared them to be his prisoners at the same moment a band of armed men came in and put them in irons they could make no resistance he then took possession of the ship soon after this he called a council of his officers to decide upon their first expedition they met in the cabin of the volant several of the french who had refused to join morgan were prisoners in the hold after much deliberation they decided first to repair to the island of savona a few leagues southeast of san domingo a flotilla of merchant ships under convoy was daily looked for from spain it was to be expected that during this long voyage some vessels would get separated from the rest these stragglers they hoped to cut off having settled this question the desperadoes commenced drinking and carousing a scene of uproar ensued with the intermingling of drunken songs and unintelligible blasphemies while the officers were thus carousing in the cabin the sailors four hundred in number were engaged in equally wild orgies in their quarters of the ship as the toasts were drained broadsides were discharged by men reeling in drunkenness around their smoking guns some were cursing some fighting some sleeping in deathly stupor the magazine amply stored with powder was near the bows of the boat powder was carelessly scattered over the decks suddenly there was a terrific explosion the whole ship seemed lifted into the air as by some volcanic power dense volumes of sulphurous smoke pierced with forked flame enveloped the scene shutting it out from the view of all around then there were seen ejected hundreds of feet into the air massive timbers and ponderous cannon and the mangled bodies of three hundred and fifty men but thirty of the crew escaped the officers cabin far in the stern of the boat escaped the force of the explosion though the revellers there were terrified stunned almost smothered with smoke and many of them severely wounded they escaped with their lives such was the end of the surf volant this only did morgan gain by his treachery morgan says esquemeling had captured the ship and god only could take it from him and god did so for eight days the bodies of the dead were seen floating upon the waters of the bay morgan sent out boats to collect these bodies not for burial but for plunder the pockets were searched the clothing when good was stripped off the heavy gold rings which nearly all the sailors wore were taken and then the bodies were abandoned to the sharks and the carrion birds morgan upon a review of his forces found that he had fifteen vessels large and small and eight hundred and sixty men with these he set sail for savona head winds impeded their progress three weeks had elapsed ere they reached the eastern extremity of hispaniola eight hundred hungry men consume a vast amount of food each day their provisions ran short they chanced to meet an english ship which had a superfluity for sale thus recruited they pressed on in a long straggling line until eight of the ships reached a harbor called Akoa on the southern coast of the great island 
here he cast anchor to wait the arrival of the rest of the fleet end of chapter fifteen